When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Voice Hacks Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Z. On the Voice Hacks Podcast, I'll be talking to some of rock and metal's best singers, coaches, and experts about what goes into the mysterious and amazing sounds we make with our voices. If you like this podcast, please help spread the word by sharing it with your friends, post our episodes on your Facebook and Instagram, and tag me and my guests. I'm at Metal Mary Z on Instagram. Don't forget to leave the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, follow me on YouTube at Voice Hacks by Mary Z. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Voice Hacks podcast. I am very stoked to be kicking off the 2023 season of episodes with Chris number two of Anti-Flag. Thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time to be with us today and to talk to us. We're stoked to have you on the podcast. How are you today? Very well. Um, yeah, grateful for the opportunity to hang out and uh, to, to meet you and, and um, hopefully get into some cool um, cool shit. But, but honestly, you know, um, we just put out a record and, and, and our year has been busy immediately. Um, so it's anytime we have these opportunities to kind of like assess that our art and vocation still has value, um, they're great for us. So it uh, feels nice to be releasing new music and to be talking to new people. So um, yeah, we're really grateful and uh, excited to, to be with you. It's super awesome. I'm stoked to talk to you about the record. Came out January 6th, Lies They Tell Our Children. You have a lot of cool guest vocalists, and one of the first guest vocalists you had was Jesse Leach from Kill Switch Engage, which I thought was interesting because it's a metal vocalist with a punk collab. Um, and it certainly made your first single a lot heavier. And I really, uh, Modern Meta Medicine, I really want to talk about the message behind that first sig- single uh, about the medical industry. So tell me a little bit about how you got jesse involved in the first single uh i did jesse and matt stock's podcast uh called stoked fire and that was you know i've, I've seen and interacted with jesse and kill switch um we have many mutual friends and actually some people that work in their camp that have worked with us or have been in bands that we've toured with so a lot of like connections and then we're Really good friends with Matt Stokes, who, who, who Matt Stokes, who started that that podcast with, with Jesse, and so that's kind of what brought our worlds together. And then in that little, you know, maybe an hour and a half or two hour conversation we all had together, there was an immediate kinship um, between Jesse and myself. And then I think that we understood each other's politics a little bit better than um, maybe we thought just on the surface level of what they were, you know? I think that a lot of people who interact with anti-flag have a very 
often preconceived notion as to what we will be uh, or how we will act or or the things that are important to us. And then they find that ultimately our politics are very simple. Um, be kind, be empathetical, uh, treat people on the planet with respect and the dignity that they deserve. And, um, you know, we allow space for people to be and figure out who they are. And um, so I think that there's maybe a more confrontational um, ideal of what we will be. And uh, and then people interact with us and realize that we just want to be nice <laughs> in a world that is really hard and arduous a lot of the time. Um, it can be an act of resistance to be kind in 2023. So um, what we found was Jesse kind of had that same approach and same mantra that he lives by. And so um, when we wrote this song, Modern Medicine, it was one that was actually quite, I don't want to say contested internally, but it was certainly discussed at a higher level than a lot of our other songs lyrically um, because it was, it was, Spreading some 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 dangerous and scary waters, um, mm. especially in a global pandemic era, um, in a hyper divisive and a hyper sensationalized world that we're living in, to criticize an industry, uh, uh, a for-profit healthcare industry, and align me with some people who are maybe doing it in a more nefarious way or maybe doing it to prove their own points or to supplement their own fears. And so the underlying or overarching ideal of the, the lyrics is that we have far more in common with each other than we do with the powerful. And so these power structures that exist that allow during a global pandemic, so many people to lose their livelihood and then a handful of people to enrich themselves beyond our wildest beliefs. It is a commentary that needs to be said of the 30 plus industrialized nations of the world, the United States is the only one where you can go bankrupt because you had a medical procedure done. Um, that is a moral um, failure of our country. I think that Jesse being on the song adds a sense of urgency to that uh, ideology that we're talking about lyrically. And so it just was a um, maybe a less um, expected collaboration, but one that when you hear it or dissect it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because it certainly turned out to be one of the heavier songs you guys have ever done. When you talk about the meaning going hand in hand with it, it makes sense. It's quite an impassioned plea. If you miss a day of work, you're fucked. You know, and like like so many people are living minute to minute in this country, and then to have that that fear and that burden and that weight on their back as to whether or not they may or may not get sick. Um, we think it, we, you know, frankly, it's fucked up and it's, it's a, it's a broken way to live. And so, um, all of it, all of it went into the, um, creation of that song. 
you know, I thought it was really cool how on this record you've kind of branched out and you invited a, not just Jesse to collab, but you have a lot of vocalists collabing on this record. Mm-hmm. Shane Told from Silverstein, you know, that's that one was really cool too. That was a different. I wasn't quite expecting that appearance. When you have guest vocalists like this, are they writing their own parts and contributing their own lyrics, or do you come to them with an idea? How does it go for you? For, for this record, everything was kind of done. Um, there was only one part that was written for it, and that's Campino from the Totenhose, and we did a second version where he sings in German. And, that's um, so cool. Okay. And, and so the lyrics didn't translate one for one. So we kind of let him write his own part uh, that he would sing in German. So, um, cool. But yeah, mostly everything was done. Um, a few people took their own artistic liberties melody-wise. Um, and that was really cool um, and really exciting. I think Tim Rise Against did a really good job of you know, when I sent it to him, there was a version of me singing that part where I was pretending to be him. And then he did a, <laughs> he did a great job of being his authentic self and delivering it in, in a way that, um, you know, really was, it was cool. Because there used to be a thing in recording um, where you, there was, there was an aha moment when you would get making records. Um, partly because everything was done much slower and you would, you wouldn't really hear, you know, you'd be doing guitars for two weeks. You'd be, you know, nobody would, you'd only hear that fucking one person playing forever. Yeah, yes, when forever. You, when you come back to it, you'd be like, holy shit. Now that doesn't really happen because with digital recording, things are moving so fast and Especially us, we've developed this this structure to how we record that we really like, where we kind of finish songs as we go, um, so that we are looking at the record as a whole, and we can say, oh. okay, this is what we're missing. You know, if you get into that space where it's like, okay, we're doing all of the guitars for thirteen songs in two weeks, you know, you're so zoomed in on guitar, you're not zoomed in on the whole picture or zoomed out on the whole picture of the album. So we'll do like guitars for a day and then throw a vocal on it and then kind of hear what it's sounding like and okay well we've got a lot of songs that are in this lane let's change the guitar tones for these songs so that they the record has some some different colors and shapes and beats and valleys and such but that has removed that surprise moment where you come in in the morning and you hit play and you're like oh fuck i can't believe it we actually have an album now so the guests provided us that where Uh we thought we had a version of the album or a version of the song and then we would get their vocal and it usually comes over in a Dropbox link or you send it thing or whatever and then we're like okay we'll download it put it in what's the song sound like it's magic now um and that that's really cool to get um afforded that opportunity to be surprised by your creation you know um but yeah i mean everybody for the most part, were people that we knew and loved and, and had some inspiration from that we wanted to, um, we were actively trying to incorporate into our thing. Um, and so, yeah, you talk about Shane, that, that part of that song, that bridge is 
extremely really influenced by Silverstein and our time touring with them. And so rather than like hiding it or trying to dirty it up or punk it up or make it more like us and less like them, we just embraced that collaboration and said, well, we you sing it. Same thing with Tim from Rise Against Bridge. I mean, that bridge doesn't exist without us playing with Rise Against. But we learned and stole a lot from them. And so, um, you know, we definitely subscribe to the four artists copy, the artists steal. <laughs> uh, 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 but this is like where influences come from i mean i teach people to sing and if everybody knew that everything's just the same minor pentatonic they'd be very yeah. disappointed yeah. 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 so i mean but classical uh musicians were doing this years ago you know they would do little like um stylistic things to kind of pay homage to each other and i think that's really cool though how you guys just doubled down on it and you were like no we'll actually just have him sing on it yeah uh, yeah for, for sure there, that's a part of music culture that I love and miss is that people would cover each other's songs and yeah. there was this, this lack of competition, but a, a mutual respect and an and, and inspiration that was coming from it. And so, you know, for us, we are so influenced by being on the road and seeing bands play live and interacting with them and becoming friends with them. And then, you listen to only their record for a few weeks after the tour, and then you're like, okay, this now influences my songwriting. And so, um, so yeah, you're 100% right. It just, it just truthfully was like a, a triple down on it and, and saying, you know, where you take it. And then, and then you get to like Astrida, which, I, you know, Pink Ship is a new band who's influenced us a lot. Maybe not so much sonically, but. I think that I'm so greatly influenced by them living their politics. And Trey Bird is another example of this. Like, we came up in a scene that people would openly in Pittsburgh in the 90s say the word. Or they, you know, there were, there was nationalism in punk rock. There were some shows that opened with people saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, we also were a part of a culture in a city that was really impoverished and really poor, and the military recruitment was as predatory as anywhere in the country. And you had our friends being presented as signing up for the military and, and going to fight and kill and die in wars, and the only option they had to get out of the impoverished town of Pittsburgh. So we knew what we wanted to do with our art. And we made this statement, we were an anti-war band, we were called an anti-flag, our logo was an upside-down American flag, we were challenging the status quo of racism and sexism and homophobia and, and the economic status quo of, of war-based economics being the backbone of American culture. And so you don't have to do that um, as much when you're a band like Kinship, three people of color, who live their politics and their existence is a resistance to the status quo. Mm -hmm. um, the same with Trey Burke, a folk artist who lives his politics. So they maybe aren't as prevalent in the music as they are with an anti-flag, but they're still eating, sleeping, breathing that ideology. And so, um, so yeah, it just was a way to connect ourselves to some people who are doing it in a different way that's also inspiring to us. And um, yeah, that's how you get those people on the record. 
you have some familiar artists uh, as guest spots, but then some new people that you also sort of used your platform for to, you know, include them, include, highlight them, make people more aware of them. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, again, there's never a guarantee that anyone's going to listen to anything you make. So you should go into it with the intention of how does this make me feel? And what do I get out of this? And is this rewarding? Does this make me feel like I am a, a better steward of the craft? Uh, am I getting better as, as a songwriter? Are we getting better as a band? Um, and thankfully, this album has checked a lot of those boxes for us. We think that we're still progressing and we're still growing. And we still have something of, valuable, uh, of value and that's viable to say. Um, so yeah, just incorporating all of these people that have helped us in some way, um, it was a, it was an important aspect of the album, and, and we knew that there were going to be a lot of songs that were kind of vocal tracks. We knew we were going to do kind of a slow rollout with it, um, and you know, frankly, we've been making records for a really long time. We've made thirteen full length albums. Um, we are not pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and attempting to do something different that we've never done before, I don't really see a reason for us to keep making records. So, so yeah, you know, you talk about the, 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 the impetus of the podcast being a vocal podcast. I mean, we pushed ourselves. I mean, there's a five part harmony on the fight of our lives. And that's like a thing that we've never done before. Really different. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's always the, um, that's always the, the intention, you know. Sometimes we fail, um, but um, I'm 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 happy to say on this one, I, I feel like we succeeded in more places. I do want to say just what you know, talking about the the vocals of the record. John Lundine, who produced the album, um, he was really smart in terms of how we track the vocals and how we layered the vocals. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I, it's the most harmonies and the most layers of vocals on any anti-flag album yet. So um, it was, you know, cool that, um, that that got some attention from what the work that you do. So um, I'm glad that that effort wasn't lost. Uh, no so, way, yeah. I noticed it completely. Um, it's really cool. And uh, I think it's, I think it added, I think in a lot of um, more punk bands, vocals don't get as much focus, you know, Um it's more lyrics, yeah. You know, if yeah. that makes sense, so yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that the creative angles you took again—it's like after thirteen records, you know, there's always a sound when someone's intending when you're trying to remake a record you made before. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. sound that goes with that. And it's we not... we learned that lesson either by attempting to do it ourselves or you know vicariously through other people. Um, you know, we can't go backwards. We're not those people anymore. Um, and I think that that's the most telling part of it or the, mm. the most true part to, to, to me is that, like, in any time we've tried to put ourselves back in the headspace of the kids that we once were, um, we know too much. We've seen too much shit. <laughs> that it's it's impossible to go backwards. So yeah. all you can do is is try to remember why you picked up an instrument in the first place, or what you know, like that part. It's really good and really valuable to get in touch with 
the origins of your craft and your inspiration. But if you're like, yo, I want to make faculty government again, um, it's just not going to happen. I mean, it's just, it's like the reason that we made the decisions that we made in those songs were because we didn't know any better. And, um, and so, you know, yeah, and there's a lot of parts that don't make any sense and shit like that. So you're, you, 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 yeah, you can't, um, you can't recreate. You can only, um, you can only comment and use the lenses that you have uh, on right now to, to see the world move forward. I like that. You can only use the lenses you have on right now. You know, we've been a band for a very long time, as you say, but 2023 is actually the 30th year of Anti-Flag. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in the band for 25 years. Um, and, um, yeah, we were a band long before anybody cared, and we'll probably be a band long after anybody cares. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I understand our contemporaries when they say things like from stage, if you guys weren't here, we wouldn't be here. Um, but I don't subscribe to that. Um, I care about making music with my friends and I care about using that art and that vocation to make statements that will align myself and, and identify the collective of anti-flag as pro-peace, pro-human, and a an emphasis on alleviation of suffering. I think that's our goal and our, our role and our, our, our job on this planet is to use whatever tool closest to us in our capacity to alleviate suffering in any amount that we can. Things change, and, and the way that you develop as an artist changes after doing that many records. I mean, you have different skills and different perspectives. And um, I was going to ask you personally, because you do around like half the vocals, you know, uh, do you feel like when you guys are performing live that it's a little bit easier to get through long tours and things because the two of you kind of play back and forth? There's not just one person doing every single vocal thing all the time? Yeah. Um, knock on wood, um, I've never had trouble with my voice mm-hmm. um, in any capacity. Um, the workload of it, you know, it's, it, that's not really ever been problematic for me. Um, great, yeah. Justin, who sings, like I said, about the other people who kind of the songs, he has had some voice issues and had like, you know, nodes and some different things like that that make it so that he must warm up. He's got to have a regiment. The days off are calculated uh, and used. Um, but he's also gotten, his voice has gotten stronger and he's learned how to, you know, keep that muscle uh, exercise and, um, you know, not not overwork it, but also work it enough so that it is consistently um, in a good place. Um, and I think the fact that the two of us have very different voices is um, is helpful too, um, because then we're able to cover a spectrum of, of sonics that um, maybe one person can't use um, all themselves. So um, I think if anything, you know, it's like our favorite band, Clash, you know, aside from that, it's like the Beatles as well. And so multiple singers is just yes. you know, in, in 
influence on our band and you know something that we're consistently trying to either steal from or pay homage to um so so yeah i mean I, it's a valuable tool in terms of the show we can sense when one of us is like needs a break or needs something and, and the other one can step up so um certainly we're advantageous um in an advantageous or a privileged place having multiples of us thing and, and like you know chris head the other guitar player sings back up our guitar tech's got a microphone too um and, really uh, like off stage no on stage on stage with he us he just yeah. comes out and does yeah, some stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, is so yeah. cool yeah i mean uh, like mark's been with us since 2003 so as far as we're concerned mark's a member of the band and they're yeah. a talented singer and um you know our, our show is kind of operational with this goes um okay point after so many years of doing it that he's got a lot of time and so it's just like Hey, do you want a microphone? Do you want to sing? You know, like I'm, we don't hide him. He's just up there on stage with us. And um, that's so cool. Yeah, it's 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 a. I think that our our band, a lot of it is about the communal aspect of the even the sonics. You know, there's a lot of gang vocals, a lot of layered vocals, and so yes, this yes. is a way to pull that off. We don't play to any tracks or have anything. We do have like a you like another thing that mark runs is like some songs have intros between them but but none of it is to none of it's to a click or to a trap so um mm. at any moment it can derail and be a fucking train wreck but that adds a sense of uh realness and urgency to the anti-flag show that we really love and feed off of so having multiple people up there to shout down microphones and we also have like a few microphones on stage just if anybody comes up and wants it, like we don't care. It's um Wow, that's cool. Yeah. It's our show, you know, the collective show. It's not any member of the next show. I love that. And and also I think like playing to a click and track seems uh not very punk rock. You know, it, it really <laughs> works very well for other genres, but it seems like um the antithesis of what you do essentially i it seems like not very free you know so yeah no 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 um no disrespect to many people who are much more talented than ourselves that, that do it and do it well um we enjoy the spontaneity of the show that's where our energy and our optimism and our fight comes from so we are consistently trying to like I like setting the stage up a little differently every day. I want okay. to be a little further away, so I got to work a little harder and like keep us on our toes. Yeah, I, I tend to find when it gets stagnant, when the tour is long and everything's set up the same way and it's habitual, um, that those are the least exciting shows. The ones yes. that are more exciting are when things go a little awry and you're over and you've got to get over hurdles and, and, and compensate for failure um that's always it always leads to something fun or at least memorable you know that's cool because i have actually over the years whether it's someone i've toured with or just a show i've been to i've seen some artists that just look bored on stage you know and in in any sort of rock and metal we shouldn't be looking bored if it's getting so easy that it looks boring yeah i mean look like i don't I don't believe 
that there are any rules whenever it comes to art. Um, I think that people need to create how they want to create. Um, as long as they're being true to themselves, that's the only rule that exists. I am not interested in competition. And so when it becomes which band is the heaviest or which band is the, you know, got the lowest frequency 808 drop program and everything like that shit has consistently been a bummer to me. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you, we talked a bit about the Warped Tour, we talked a bit about like festivals and things like that. Like, you'll get into these pissing competitions with people that should be your friends and you should be your co-conspirators and your yeah. so yeah ultimately look I've, I've got a lot of friends who play the tracks and they've got some cool shit that they do and i'm proud of them for it i just can only control what i can control and, 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 and again like i want to love doing it i, I yes. want to be entering year 30 like we are and think can't wait to play this show because I don't know what's going to happen, and, and I'm excited. Possibility of having someone have an experience that they've not had before, myself included. And so, um, um, that's why we do it this way, and so we've always done it. And, um, it's allowed us to be a better musicians than we've ever been as of today, and be better friends than we've ever been as of today. And it's very rare for a band who's been doing it this long to not be also for fun in the end, but it's just for getting better. And that's consistently our goal. All you can do at the end of the day is be yourself, you know, and, and as an artist, I think there's a lot of people uh, trying to be things, but everything that you keep consistently saying is just like, this is just what we do. This is how we do it. So it works for us. And I think that's so important, though. There's room for everyone. Yeah, and we get a lot of shit because, you know, we talk a lot during the show or we've got a lot to say. And um, again, there's a you know, but I feel the same way. If you, if you you tell me I love this album that you made in 2000, why don't you make another one like it? Um, I'm going to give you the same answer as I say to I saw your show and I didn't enjoy it. I'm sure there's another thing out there that you're going to love. <laughs> and I hope you find it. Yep. Um, but, uh, but this is what I love. And, uh, you know, I'm, I... I Again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work in my influences and trying to work in our um, inspirations into it so that hopefully it, it, it pays it forward. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but ultimately, yeah, not going back in time and not interested in manipulating what we're doing because somebody else may or may not have a better time for it. Anytime we've chased that, and we have, you know, you, when you're when you're when you've been a band this long, you you will inevitably allow the noise to come in. But anytime we've we've chased opportunity, those have been the least rewarding. Yeah, I've also never had instantaneous success with anything in my life. You know, yeah. um, I mean, it might be cool to understand what that's like, get that perspective. Um, where someone creates something and then the next day everybody in the world knows about it and cares about it. Um, everything anti-flag has done, everything I've done is just a human, has had this like bang my head against the wall and hopefully I break through at some point. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got 
five records that are probably tentpole records for a lot of people. And they're always different, you know? It's like, we don't have that one that sold a million copies. We yeah. had five that sold 300,000, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. it's just yeah. like, it's like, there's a there's an ebb and a flow to it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, like, I imagine that having a song go on the radio and change the trajectory of their life instantly is probably a wild ride to be on. Um, but it's something I don't know anything about. Not this is the thing. This is how I know how to do it. Um, right. Not to chase for the immediacy, but to believe in what you're doing in such a way that you will either do it so much that people will come around to it, or you'll just wait the culture out and the culture will come around to it. That mm-hmm. both have happened to us. You know, um, we've been in a punk rock scene that has gone through three measurable moments of flirts with the mainstream you know in the 90s when the band started you had the green days and the rancids and the offsprings on the radio mm-hmm. and then it went away and then in the early 2000s you had the my chemical romances and the rise against that came into the mainstream and there was a light shown on anti-flag at that time and then it went away and then in the early or you know early late 2010s you had this thing with the machine gun kelly's and hip-hop latching on the punk rock aesthetics and then all of a sudden somebody sending you a picture of you know machine gun kelly talking about anti-flag and you're like okay that's fine but i don't really care i've just been doing driving my car straight and uh um you know it's nice when those moments of light and attention are shown down upon us but they aren't the precursor of our success or our failure. Right. Um, they just happen to allow for somebody to interact with us that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. And so we don't take those things for granted or or, or look them in the mouth. I think they're, they're equally as important, but um, it doesn't change or shape the way our band reacts or creates. I think that's really important, though, because a lot of times in my my life and in, and also in the course of like interviewing people, especially I've run into this consistent theme where some of the more successful people or at least the people, you know, still making music, if you will, whatever you want to define success as, because I think that's got a whole tier mm-hmm. of, of definitions. But really, it highlights what you just said, which is more to have values, you know. And a thing that you value rather than goals. Instead of saying, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to sell a million records, you have more of like a value of um, this is the way we're going to make art and make our message. And we're just going to truck along and you can get on or off the train. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah I think yeah, that's I wonderful. Mean, yeah. Well, goals are important. Um, um, when we first interacted with Tom Morello in the 90s, we did the Battle of Los Angeles for Grey's Machine in 1999. Right before they broke up. So it was a pretty tumultuous tour in that sense where the band wasn't getting along and we were kind of on the outside looking in. Yeah. But Tom became our mentor then and, 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 and um, you know, thankfully for us and to detriment of him, <laughs> he's he's gotten an earful from us every year for the last 23 years. <laughs> um, but he did tell us to make a list of goals early on and to be 
to demand the impossible with those goals, but to also be realistic. And so that meant writing, we want to sell a million albums on the goal list. Mm. We want to paint the White House black. We want to have erased, you know, erase racism from the society's vernacular, but also to do things that were manageable, like play a show in a city you've never played it before. Mm. Um, make a piece of art with a local artist that you wanted to work with, but couldn't. You know, just like simple shit like that. So that at the end of the year, you say, well, yeah, I didn't sell a million albums or paint the White House black or do whatever, but I did do these things. And so I can't count this as a success. Um, or at least I've checked some boxes off of my path. And, um, you know, that's valuable advice, but ultimately you're not creating for creation's sake. You're creating because you want to or you have to or there's something that you want to say and you're going to use tools within your means to get that safe. So those were valuable lessons that we got, but also um, kind of similar to the trajectory that we were already on. It just, it just affirmed that what we were doing was the right. Where are you going to play live this year? Do you have anything coming up where people can see you tour? Or how's that looking? Yeah, we have so much coming up. We'll be on the road all year. Um, we're starting with six weeks uh, with Bloody Molly uh, across the U.S. Oh, cool. um, that starts early February. And, um, yeah, I don't know those dates. Um, you can go to antifly.com uh, if you live in a place that bands like Humshu. Uh, and then other than that, we're going to do four other U.S. and North American four legs this year. Um, four we'll be in other ones? Four other ones. We'll be, in, um, we'll be in Europe for a month this summer, and then we'll probably do a headliner in fall in Europe as well. So our calendar is completely booked. Most of which we can't discuss other than the volume Molly stuff, but uh, it'll be out in the world hopefully in the next couple weeks. That's really awesome. Were, was this yeah. after a long reprieve? Did you take a long time away from shows during the pandemic, or uh, much like everybody, we were shut down for yeah. a period of time um, that we were told to stay home and, and to, to worry and, and think about ourselves. Um, yeah. But then when we came out of it, we did our, our first run of just like the makeup dates. That was uh, fall of 2021. And then we had most of 2022 off where we wrote and recorded the album from December 2021 until June uh, 2022. That was all spent making this album. And mm -hmm. so... Um, so then we did a long European summer, um, and then we did a, a handful of weekends to close out the year. But yeah, I mean, we really haven't hit the ground um, in, in, in the way we're used to, accustomed to as a band, uh, and we won't until we do this, this stuff this year. So, um, so it's a bit of both, but mostly it's just we really believe in the album, and we want to try to give it a shot and share it. Um, with people, again, the way we know how to, the way we know best. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be a lot of North American touring, a lot of European touring, but um, hopefully we'll find ourselves on our list this year as we get to some new places again. And um, uh, so that's the plan as well, is to 
trying to get back to South America, some Southeast Asian stuff that we haven't done in a while. New Zealand, Australia is on the list too. Um, so we'll be busy. It's a big world. And um, we're grateful for the opportunities that we have to try to see it and try to connect with people in it. We'll get out and see them, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And I absolutely love your new record. I think it's full of amazing vocal appearances, amazing vocal writing, amazing vocalists, you know, all the way across the board. So thank you very much. Antiflag.com. You guys can get your tickets and find out more about these tour dates. Anything else you want to leave everybody with? No, um, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. And uh, hopefully we'll run into each other in real life. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys come through Vegas, let me know. So that's where I'm based out of. So thank you so much, Chris. That wraps up this episode of the Voice Hacks podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show.